G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. For regular listeners, you'll know that we've sought to address the growing mental health concerns that are facing Australians today. And today we're going to explore what's known as moral injury and how in this changing world, Christians face what we might describe as a clash of conscience. And all Australians face what we might describe as a clash of conscience. Well, it's the condition that comes when our conscience or our moral compass is damaged when we witness or fail to prevent acts that transgress our own moral beliefs, our values, or our ethical codes of conduct. It was originally coined regarding returning military personnel when they've come home from conflict zones. But the same term can apply as people are either coerced or mandated and a person's convictions are compromised. When a person's conviction is compromised, moral injury may be suffered. It's a concept that applies in a number of dimensions today, whether it is in the health concerns around vaccination or on the range of pro-life issues that Australia faces. Our special guest today, Associate Professor Harvey Ward, says the difference between a conviction and a mere opinion is that an opinion may change without much consequence. But those convictions we hold are a line one draws in the sand of the soul and is guided by faith and a certainty of what is right and wrong in a specific situation. Dr. Harvey Ward is an obstetrician and gynaecologist. He describes himself as a musician, a poet and an apologist. He's also a member of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia and a special welcome along to 2020 to Dr. Harvey Ward. Thank you so much, Neil, for your generous introduction. And Harvey, I might just say, and uh, thank you for a note a little earlier, that you actually delayed the induction of labour for one of your patients, uh, a mother who's expecting so that you can fit in this discussion. So I I probably should thank that mother who uh, who has actually given up uh, the opportunity to have that induction start an hour early. But thank you. No, she she was very happy to do that. And uh, that good news all seems to be going very well. Avi, let's get into uh, this topic today and moral injury and uh, perhaps uh, just into the context of Christians and the history of the church. Uh, Many a Christian martyr has faced the lions for holding convictions that they just would not change. Is there something here that's something special that Christians need to understand about how we hold on to our moral compass, how we hold on to a direction in our lives and those convictions we have uh, without having this moral injury. Is there a way you can describe those things from history? Well, certainly. Thank you, Neil. Um, there's been conflicts of conscience that have, uh, that have been uh, part of the Christian church right from the very beginning. Uh, people doing things that they would believe uh, that would be wrong uh, but feeling they're being coerced to do them. Uh, we look in the Old Testament, for example, at, 
had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow to a tyrannical king demanding worship. And they, uh, they was, their consciences were seared, and they decided to stand up and, of course, draw the line in the sand. And the story is um, recorded uh, for posterity. Uh, there will be consequences for um, drawing a line in the sand. And when your convictions are based on your faith and informed by your faith, they will clash with the world's principles. Uh, in medicine, this has been uh, very recently uh, addressed with uh, things like deciding in Nazi Germany to experiment on people who were um, Jewish or um, to take the lives of people whose lives were regarded as worthless. And even up to date now, in certain uh, areas in uh, the report from China that uh, transplant surgeons were able to uh, remove organs without patient's consent. Um, and would there be a conscience uh, clause saying, can you opt out of that? Well, in those circumstances, a Christian doctor would refuse and pay a very high price. So we are being confronted daily by assaults on what we believe to be right and wrong. In fact, in, power, uh, in fact, doctors are right in the middle of uh, what are happening in many of the changes that are going on around Australia now when it comes mm. to abortion, when it comes to the issue mm. of euthanasia. Doctors are, in fact, uh, I, I'm imagining here, uh, likely to be, if not already, coerced into holding the government line rather than going with what we might describe as a biblical conscience, a, a view of life which has a, a high ideal. Any thoughts here? Well, that's right. Uh, we will operate according to a code of what we think is right and wrong. I think it's important to recognise that uh, all uh, codes of conduct are, are confined within legal constraints. And so whoever gets to make the laws, in other words, they decide what's right or wrong, um, they uh, will ultimately hold power and insist that judges interpret the law and the military and police enforce it. So if, uh, we, if a law is passed which contradicts our conscience, then we have to evaluate whether we're going to uh, obey it. Now, there's a cost in, for doctors. They may be deregistered, they may be disciplined, they may be reprimanded, they may have their license to practice removed, they may be jailed if... Um, the transgression is perceived as severe enough. And the Medical Board of Australia's Code of Conduct says that um, good medical practice is patient-centred and includes uh, being culturally aware and uh, we must not impose our values uh, on, uh, on, on patients uh, if the procedures are legal. So we've seen the law change over time uh, here in Australia, unthinkably perhaps over the last five to ten years, uh, being aware of a right not to provide or directly participate in treatments into which you conscientiously object, uh, informing your patients and colleagues of your objection, but not using your objection to impede any access to treatments that are regarded as legal. And this puts a lot of patients, a lot of providers, in a difficult situation whether they should refer patients or not. I think one can always refer a patient to discuss a contentious type of treatment uh, that may be legal but to which you conscientiously object and say, well, you must discuss it with this other individual and it's up to you. 
Uh, I'm not necessarily referring you for the procedure, but you'll need to discuss it with someone else because this is my position. I think most Australians will be happy with that and most of the regulatory authorities would be happy with that. I wonder whether those regulatory authorities are taking into their consideration where Christians might stand on a whole lot of these issues because it does seem to me that there's a lot of imposed uh, ways that government will be expecting especially doctors to behave under these new uh, legal environments. So when the government is imposing its values on the people, uh, and you might say, well, that's just a normal thing. That's what government does, doesn't it? But when the values contravene God's revealed truth, is that where we've got a real problem, Harvey? I think that's where the, uh, the church has an obligation to be the conscience of the nation and always has been. Uh, prophets of old had to step up against despotic kings and often get killed because they uh, spoke the truth sometimes very harshly to them. John the Baptist lost his head because he pointed out a moral failure in King Herod's wife. Um, so it's not without consequence that individuals put their head up above the parapet and declare, in fact, what God says is right and wrong is uh, should override what the, uh, any government of the day says is right or wrong. Now, there's some very clear-cut areas, and many of them are to some degree grey. And I think to get to the issue of moral injury, uh, we have this inner compass to which we've been uh, we've informed our conscience through the Word of God, uh, through wrestling through these issues. Um, that affect our particular profession, and then when it comes uh, up at odds to the prevailing opinion, uh, and we find ourselves forced to participate in, um, then it's like being in the army, being forced to do acts that you you morally feel culpable for doing, but the you were ordered to do them, and the. Uh, Nazi defence often was, I was just following orders. Yes, I, I could see it was wrong, but I was being a good soldier and I was following orders. There comes a point where you say, I'm not going to follow orders. Or if you do, you inflict on your soul injury of compromise. And this is the moral injury issue that uh, we could discuss in more detail. Well, what a wonderful opportunity to hear the heart of a doctor in what's going on in some of the developments we're seeing in Australia. When the government legislates that you must do something their way and a contradiction to what we understand as revealed truth from God, uh, the sorts of things that happen to the individual if you are coerced and you give in and you do what the government says, which is contrary to your faith, the sorts of effect that come with this moral injury, how can you describe some of those sorts of things, Harvey? Well, the term was originally coined by uh, a researcher by the name of Shea, but expanded by um, Harold Koenig at Duke University, where he formalized uh, a an inventory, uh, an emotional inventory of people who had sustained uh, a similar situation to post-traumatic stress disorder, sleeplessness, thoughts of helplessness, uh, loss of appetite, uh, um, physical um, uh, depression uh, and suicide where individuals had uh, had to live with themselves after compromising. Um, and the scale of the uh, uh, condition was really 
quite severe and uh, obviously veterans had uh, had committed suicide or had attempted, uh, had slunk into depression and he discovered that a significant amount of moral injury was sustained and then he extended it to health workers and uh, found the same sort of thing. So there's now an index which you can use to determine whether or not individuals in the health worker industry, nursing staff, doctors and so on, who may have sustained moral injury and uh, it's helpful to categorize it and it's starting to be looked at uh, as a, a proper uh, disease category. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. As I said, we're in the deep end, and I might encourage you to lean in a little closer to the radio as we talk about the effects that come on an individual who is suffering moral injury. Our special guest is Associate Professor Harvey Ward. Harvey, when we talk about this moral injury and given your background and you've been able to reflect beautifully on what happens to people who are in the medical profession and it's not just doctors but it's nurses, it's people who are in uh, all sorts of medical uh, professional roles but as we expand this, uh, of course there are police who suffer from moral injury when they're forced to do things that go against their moral compass too. How does it affect police do you think? Well, I have uh, a lot of patients who are policemen, policewomen, and they have uh, expressed difficulty in carrying out uh, their um, enforcing the law. Uh, They don't disobey the law, but they have crises of conscience as well. Uh, Can you imagine if they would have to uh, arrest people who are peacefully protesting or um, follow a dictate that they are not on board with, but feel they have to because that's their duties. And this is the uh, in the military as well, soldiers who were in Afghanistan who were uh, given orders to do their job, uh, given parameters by the way they had to do them, but of course the parameters don't extend to all possibilities and they have to use their judgment and they may be criticised for their judgment and held to moral account, as we have heard with the Defence Force. So in all walks of life uh, there are one is conscience-bound to um, obey your moral compass. And you can imagine this could be extended to teachers who, or, or politicians whose morals are offended, but they have to horse trade in order to get their particular uh, pet law uh, over the line. And I'm sure a lot of this happens right the way around uh, the country in all professions. A lot of people have been concerned about the vaccine mandates and uh, what they're seeing as a coercion for people who don't want to receive a vaccine, but in fact because they're mandated to do so, some are actually losing their jobs or they're not getting the hours that they thought that they would or there's all sorts of restrictions coming on people. I mean, uh, retailers are turning away unvaccinated people, uh, not allowed to serve them. Uh, There's all sorts of issues around the vaccine issue. I wonder if you've got any enlargement on that. <laughs> yes, that's the uh, poison chalice. Um, <clears throat> vaccine mandates, of course, are all the rage at the moment, and there's a lot of resistance to getting the vaccine, which has been, uh, to the best of the scientific community, as best research as it could. Now, they can't give 100% guarantees to anyone that, one, the vaccine is going to work for them, or two, that they're not going to have a side effect from getting it. 
and yet the evidence uh, suggests that most people will do well with it and uh, that it will give to some degree uh, some decent protection against getting severe COVID. Having said that, there will be people at either end of the spectrum, some of which might have bad side effects, even deaths, um, and others who will have no side effects and it not be effective. So um, the debate rages uh, and public health orders are incredibly difficult to get correct. Um, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't when you make public health directives because there are people either side who will have strong opinions. So I believe um, that the vaccine mandates uh, have uh, are a touchstone for this particular uh, issue of moral injury. What do uh, people do if they decide not to get the vaccine? And I have members of my own family. Um, uh, the consequences are so draconian and so horrific that they are forced to choose between a possible side effect they can't anticipate and the restrictive lives and restriction of freedoms if they do, if they don't get the vaccine. So I can understand people's uh, frustration. Uh, doctors who provide medical certificates that are uh, dodgy or spurious may end up getting punished uh, for attempting to circumvent public health orders and may pay the price of deregistration. Doctors who speak out with any concerns that they might have with vaccines or questions about them uh, may also face censure. So it's a difficult time and uh, there are channels that we can, uh, as doctors, uh, go through processes to display our concerns if we have them. Um, so I think the vaccine mandate issue, uh, I think there are a lot of people who have fallout, real moral injury and real practical physical injury from the consequences of either not getting vaccinated, refusing to get vaccinated, delaying getting vaccinated or having side effects. There are those, as you say, who are more affected than others. Uh, some very happy to get the vaccine, as you say, and uh, from the health issues, and you can you can juggle uh, how the facts look, and you can look at see what's happening internationally, and you can have some level of confidence in a vaccine. But there are always going to be those who'll say, "I can't bring myself to be vaccinated." Now, if we're talking about moral injury in all of that, and going against your own conscience on these things, uh, come back to what originally this uh, concept of moral injury started with, was post-traumatic stress disorder for soldiers re returning from the battlefield and suffering issues around depression and uh, suicidal uh, ideation. Uh, these things, are these things perhaps even, as we talk about moral injury, uh, partly responsible for the challenges we're seeing in depression and, uh, and, uh, and rising suicide uh, ideation today? Is that, is that too big a you know, connection to draw? No, I don't think it is a too big a connection. I think there's an element of this where, uh, as uh, most Christians in Australia would have recognised, that over the last years, the prevailing uh, cultural ethos would have been at least basically Christian, would follow uh, biblical teaching, um, definitions of right and wrong, definitions of all kinds of uh, fundamental building blocks of society, such as family, uh, uh, man, woman, and so on, they've all come under the microscope for redefinition, and legally too. So uh, 
the legal profession has, uh, at the lead of Parliament, uh, redefined a lot of the a lot of the terms we you would take for granted as being uh, uh, clearly right or clearly wrong, and so many Christians in Australia are listening to the prevailing opinions uh, that are coming out of Parliament, coming out of uh, of uh, pressure groups, and feeling mystified that things they held to be correct are under challenge, um, and if they proclaim that they are still correct, could face censure. Um, coming back to the medical profession, again, the right to die or the right to kill the unborn, those have been two major um, issues that have affected the medical profession most recently. And thankfully, the conscience clause has been in, in, injected into the legislation uh, because many doctors uh, will refuse to, um, uh, to do what may be regarded as legal and regarded as health care, uh, but uh, there are some uh, prices to pay for that, and so the injury they sustain may affect their practice. They may not be able to uh, carry on working in their field of training, uh, and the very real consequences of that is a community loses a doctor or a nurse, uh, a family loses its breadwinner, um, uh, a spouse may uh, have a partner that's now depressed uh, and is difficult to connect with. Uh, they may suffer financial injury. So this moral injury has very serious practical consequences. And I'm pretty sure many listeners are resonating with this. Their consciences have been challenged. And what do they do about it if they've compromised? In history, if you look back at the early church in Carthage, uh, when people were sent to the lions for not complying with the uh, uh, Caesar's dictates uh, and they were uh, killed in the arena for sport, there were those that did compromise, renounced their faith and then uh, were freed to um, uh, to join society as, uh, uh, um, you know, as, as citizens. But then uh, when the persecution died down, they asked for readmission back to their Christian brothers and sisters and um, they were, they had compromised and they had denied uh, Christ uh, in the face of pressure and now wanted to come back and suffered moral injury. The church who had survived uh, this and had stayed, uh, had held the line, uh, were reluctant to let them back in uh, because you guys shouldn't have communion with us. You've compromised. You've sold, you've sold your soul. Uh, and if we look at the two examples we've got in Scripture, we've got two uh, men a prominent man who were in the apostles who both compromised. Peter, who denied Christ uh, to the people around him, and Judas, who ultimately betrayed Christ. And uh, both of them had serious regret and remorse. But one turned to suicide and the other one turned to repentance. And look at where he was elevated. Judas has been consigned to the history's uh, scrap heap of the people that... Um, you know, failed morally, uh, but didn't believe God could forgive them. But Peter is, uh, you know, regarded as uh, the rock upon which Jesus was going to build Wonderful his stuff, church. Uh, Harvey. We'll, get, we'll try and enlarge on that because uh, what tremendous biblical examples of how you 
deal with uh, issues around moral injury. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's squeeze in a call from Norman in Innisfail in North Queensland. Norman, thanks for waiting patiently. What are your thoughts quickly? That's very, very kind of you. Um, I applaud the direction of your conversation um, and it referred to two pieces of scripture that are very rarely observed. One reads that he who brings my creation to ruin will in turn be brought to ruin. And another that's quite profound, which was confirmed later on, is the evil one has opened his bowels on the oceans, upon the ocean, which refers to the oil slick that's being um, dumped on the oceans and seas of the world as a slick that's preventing the exchange of, CO- of um, oxygen for CO2s in from the plankton. We're more or less mothercating ourselves and the Father's revenge tribulation is not going to be directed towards the innocent, to his, to his people, but to those people who have been rude and, and destructive upon their, his creation. So it's actually a day of rejoicing for us and a day of judgment. Norman, um, I've got to cut in because we're about to go to news. You might be wondering just how important and how powerful it is to hold Christian convictions. We're talking about those things today with our special guest, Dr. Harvey Ward. And Harvey, before we continue on with our conversation and take this even a step deeper, let's take another call. Our talkback line's open on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Bernadette in South Australia. Hello, Bernadette. Thanks for waiting patiently. Hi, Neil. I, I listen, hi, Neil. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to speak and... I really feel for people in those situations, doctors, nurses, police, where, where they have to make those decisions. And I, as a Christian, my faith is everything. Jesus is everything to me. And this is a real crisis of conscience for me. And so it's like, plus I have a health condition. I've got high blood platelets. And I actually did see a couple of doctors and asked for an exemption. They said no. And I and I said why, and they said, well, the only exemption is if you already have have the an injection, and then you have an, an, an elliptic shock or something. And I just said, I don't think that sounds really good. So that's it, no exemption. And I just think that something's really wrong, um, and people shouldn't be forced to have something that they feel really so strongly about. And plus, if they've got health issues, it, it's like that's not taken into consideration. I think there's Bernadette. a lot of Good thoughts yes. in there. Let's get a let's get a response from Dr. Harvey Ward. Uh, Harvey, as you're hearing Bernadette's heart, no doubt that's a reflection on what a lot of people are feeling right now. Uh, yes, certainly, and I I, I I would not want to get into into specifics because, of course, it is a, a medical condition, and there's always more to a full history that one has to take. Uh, to some degree, we trust the medical profession with all the medications we take and all of these uh, opinions you get uh, sometimes don't. Uh, so I, I won't uh, go into the vaccine-related issues with you, but <clears throat> I understand uh, what a clash of consciences might have for you, and you're constantly having to weigh up whether or not you should uh, compromise what you have uh, believed uh, and go ahead or stick to your guns. I think what's really valuable is to is to seek a health professional who's uh, well schooled in the science and is well drilled in their faith and and seek their help. I think it's important sometimes it's a factual problem it's an issue sometimes it's uh, uh, 
hearsay or opinions you might have because you've seen uh, a few other examples of something not working out well and therefore you feel that may happen to you and that's your experience. Uh, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a situation you have to discuss in much more detail with um, your health practitioner. Uh, if they're not sympathetic, find another health practitioner who will listen to your concerns. Uh, Bernadette, thank you so much for your call. I hope that's a helpful response to you. At 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Just on vaccines for just a few more moments here, Harvey, because uh, people are... Uh, obviously, they're digging themselves in uh, for not receiving a vaccine. Uh, sometimes that's on a health issue. Uh, it's not necessarily a theological issue or something that you might feel as though you have uh, responsibility before God. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts here on on uh, whether this is an opinion or a conviction that gets compromised uh, when you actually do uh, say, I'm going to dig in here for the long, the long haul. I'm not going to receive a vaccination. Yes, uh, this is the this is a contentious issue. Uh, I think you would need to uh, get well informed with the facts, and they are out. They are available. I I am I love vaccinations. I think they're an excellent uh, addition, a gift from God, to be given to us to protect us from microbes around us. And I think uh, active immunization with um, uh, with pieces of uh, bugs that have been uh, modified or passive immunization, taking antibodies from somebody, that somebody else has made, are a gift from God. They're, they, like surgery, are a way to roll back the um, effects of the fall and to restore life and health and longevity. So I'm not anti-vax at all. I'm, I'm definitely pro-vax. I'm pro-safe vax, and that's, uh, I think, what's important to distinguish. Uh, not all vaccinations are the same. We know this. Uh, not all uh, manufacturing processes are relied upon. And so our ATAGI, or our Therapeutic Goods Administration, has been tasked with the responsibility of providing Australians with safe medications, and they're doing the best they can. It's important to recognise that they uh, do want people to be protected. They don't want people to get sick and die unnecessarily. Um, and I think that's an important position to be in. Regard them as a gift from God. I'm not saying the same thing for uh, killing people. Uh, uh, that's not a gift from God. Uh, but vaccines aren't perfect, and some people may suffer side effects. But generally, the intent is to heal and help. Uh, and I, I'm, I think it's a, it's a good principle to start off with. Harvey, we would often think of uh, the relationship between doctor and patient as being sacrosanct, and uh, that's the sort of uh, patient-doctor relationship that's been reflected in a lot of the international uh, codes that have been produced over the years. So when you've got governments that are trampling over this uh, sacred, uh, sacrosanct relationship between doctor and patient, there's a principle that comes into play. So while we might be talking about uh, whether there is a theological foundation or whether there's just a principle that we ought to hold carefully to, it's when that is trampled on uh, we potentially suffer this moral injury. Is that a, a fair way of describing how you might say this is a position I take because it is a principled decision? Absolutely, and that's the very definition of uh, being conscience-led. Um, 
the ability to have a conscience is a spiritual uh, aspect of our lives, which we don't deny anybody. We are signatories to the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights that we should be a freedom of religion, freedom of thought, freedom of speech. Uh, but, of course, if you are free to believe, you can believe error and you can act on it and uh, punish and injure people. So there are always some qualifications to that freedom. It's not just a completely boundless freedom. Um, but having said that, if a, if, a, if a position of conscience that you have may be deleterious to those around you, then the government may step in and say, look, you are putting other people at risk and putting other people in danger because of your belief, and we're going to override that and uh, restrict your freedoms or punish you. And the Religious Freedoms Bill is up for discussion now. In fact, you'll be interviewing Michaela Cash. It'll be interesting to see what they, what she has to say about it. Um, there are those that feel that if we hold to a Christian worldview that's at odds with current secular thought in a secular state, and the state must override it in all aspects. Uh, there are others that say, but there are aspects of it which culturally contribute to the vibrancy and diversity in Australian society. And so the opinions rock to and fro. But if the law punishes people on the grounds of their religious convictions, uh, we are looking at legal precedents that are being set that scare others to have religious convictions or to live them out in the marketplace or the daily uh, in their daily life. Um, if I had a religious conviction that suggested that other races were insects and we could take out their organs and sell them to other people who were uh, more deserving, and that was a conviction I had, then the, I would hope the government would, have, would use the sword to restrict uh, my effect in the uh, community around me because it would be destructive. So again, where do we get our moral compass from and how can we keep our moral compass in a way that most reflects God's moral compass for us uh, because that will be the most life-preserving and lifestyle-sustaining and healthy one. That's the convictions I have. And as a Christian, that's where I stand. I can do no other, as uh, Martin Luther famously said. Well, perhaps we are in for times ahead when the secular states endeavours to override our Christian conscience. And so we might come to how we respond to that. And uh, before the news, I think we touched on Judas and Peter as a couple of uh, examples in the Scriptures of how the moral injury was dealt with there. For those who are feeling like they've compromised their ideals, they've compromised their God-given uh, values revealed by God because of things that are happening in a coercive nature in the state right now, and perhaps we'll expect more of that, how do you think we respond in this way? What are your thoughts here, Harvey? Well, I think primarily we should pre pre prepare ourselves for conflict inevitably. And secondly, uh, once we've compromised and have suffered uh, or put in a position where we may uh, 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 be sustaining injury, how do, we, how do we approach that? And secondly, uh, thirdly rather, uh, once we've compromised, how do we actually get out of that? So primarily, uh, teachers, schools, parents have to teach their children moral codes and not let the government take that over. Um, and they 
must uh, imbibe and teach a biblical worldview uh, for right and wrong to their children. Uh, there'll be strong forces wanting to stop that, but I think that's a primary responsibility. And if you're armed with the Word of God, this will inform your conscience, and that would be the best protection when you encounter moral uh, episodes of moral threat. Um, there are moral dilemmas and moral situations all over the place that you may have to consider, and uh, a clear conscience is what Paul says he had before um, the Roman procurator. I have a clear conscience before God and before men. Um, secondarily, if you are thrust into a situation where you um, are being forced to compromise your morals, you can take a step back and not make a decision and say, I need time to think and pray about this and contact individuals with whom I, whom I trust morally. And thirdly, if you've compromised and are suffering the pains of guilt, asking for forgiveness from God, going to him on your knees and say, I've transgressed like Peter did, wept bitterly, felt remorse, but then um, ask for forgiveness and recognize how you can possibly make some sort of restoration and how could you bolster up your uh, conscience on um, not being pushed to do this again. Uh, so th there will be that primary, secondary and tertiary approach I think would be helpful. Wonderful stuff. Let's take another call. Michael is in Toowoomba, Queensland. Michael, welcome along. Yeah, how you going, Neil? And uh, your guest, I'm sorry, I forgot his name. Um, yep. What are your thoughts, Harvey, Michael? how are you? I just, uh, just want to ask a question on your... There's obviously... Uh, my wife's been infected. She's a nurse, and uh, she's now out of work because of uh, the mandates that is ha are happening across the uh, country. Uh, a question I've, I'd like to, uh, Harvey to ask is uh, we've got two different opinions here. Both are saying uh, scientific opinions. Um, but the credibility of one side of the argument saying that the vaccine is our silver bullet um, to get out of this, um, they're the same scientists who believe that abortion is right. They're the same scientists that would say that same-sex um, marriage is right, gender fluidity is right. They're also the same scientists are now telling us that it's okay to get rid of those people who are aged. Uh, so do you think the credibility of those scientists is uh, diminished? Uh, Michael, good good thought there. Uh, Harvey, you're in the deep end here because uh, can you tar everyone with the same brush of all of those different moral uh, differences? I've got to be careful uh, with um, considering that every individual in scientific community is um, heading towards a destructive um, and unbiblical position. No, um, all of them have got very passionate arguments. They're not all guided by the same moral convictions, but have tremendously good scientific tools, have to deal with people in these situations all the time. So I'd be careful in tying them with all the same brush. I think you've got an obligation to uh, look at what is uh, coming out of the mouths of regulators and scientists and read them through a grid of uh, Christian understanding. Um, I wouldn't get into any of those individual topics, although I know all of them are red hot uh, just uh, uh, at this stage, but you have, you're allowed to have some skepticism on all scientific utterances. And we in the scientific professions and in the clinical professions do this all the time. We have a look at what's being written and we criticize them 
according to rigorous scientific ideals, which actually should be. If we are in pursuit of truth, then truth will eventually win out. So uh, I think we're to stick to what is true and what is uh, noble and what is right and what is life-affirming, life-preserving. Um, and if the uh, science lines up with it, certainly then we work with it. Uh, but we look through a glass darkly on all truth, all scientific and medical truth. So um, stick to your biblical convictions and question with biblical support um, assumptions that are being thrown at you. Uh, I think that's a very reasonable and safe position to work from. Michael, thank you so much for your call, and I'll have to put a line under those calls. Uh, time running out quickly. Uh, Harvey, when we talk about forgiveness and restoration, uh, there are those right now who are thinking, I'm being challenged. My moral compass is being compromised preparing for the challenges that are to come. I think we're all agreeing that there's going to be some more challenges to our moral compass. How do you think about, and just a quick response here, but navigating a way forward, how do you think about doing that as a Christian believer? Well, all of the uh, um, uh, wars in the uh, uh, middle of the, the last millennium uh, uh, that were from uh, Protestants and people that were trying to uh, be persecuted by the church had convictions about the way they had beliefs and they schooled themselves and taught themselves the word of God they discussed the scenarios amongst themselves they had cell groups, they had study groups who would um, prepare uh, their, um, their uh, fellowship of believers for what to do in the event of being challenged um, and right the way throughout the ages Battles are won on their knees first before they're fronting the governors and kings and have to say what they're going to say. Jesus said, don't worry about uh, what you're going to say uh, when you are led before governors and kings. Uh, you'll be given the right words to say, or, or none, as in the case of uh, Jesus himself, who was silent before many of his accusers. Um, we may be asked to give an account of our convictions and uh, that we should be prepared to do with diligence. So... Steep yourself in the word. Discuss them in small groups. Have scenario planning. What would you do if you were confronted with this? What would you do if um, you were told to uh, put a bullet in someone's head as a soldier? What would you do if uh, you were called upon to transgress a law? Think the thing through. Discuss it. Because the time may come when you'll be called upon to do that. And if you're well prepared, uh, then you will have armed yourself uh, ready so that when the answers are demanded of you, you can give them uh, uh, with gentleness and respect. Well, Harvey, wonderful insights today. And uh, for listeners, there will be a podcast of this conversation up uh, earlier this afternoon. Associate Professor Harvey Ward. And uh, let me just point people to uh, certainly the CMDFA, the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. Uh, you can access Luke's journal, which is a wonderful journal, and uh, Harvey Ward is a contributor to that. Uh, you'll be able to read more about moral injury and you'll be able to get real insight uh, so far as some of the issues that are developing uh, in the nation. Harvey, just wonderful getting your uh, your input today on 2020. I want to thank you so much uh, for taking the time to share these thoughts with our listeners today. Thank you very much, Neil. It was a pleasure to be with you. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 